You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, a typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What are Christian values in America? You know, not the ones that we say in Facebook memes, you know, but the ones that we actually live out in our lives. That's what we're going to talk about in today's episode. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity. I'm your host, Spencer. This is my beautiful wife, Nikki. Hello. And before we dive into this show, baby, is there anything you'd like to say? Um, yeah, we just um, need some prayers uh, in the area of parenting. And well, if you have kids, I mean, you know what we mean. <laughs> Those tough things that, I don't know, go through that, I don't know, kids just, you start to believe they're, when they're lying, and I don't know, it's hard to tell. So... Yeah, just rearing children up. And also prayer requests for Spencer. Um, you have some meetings this week with Commander and who else? Just some bosses. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so please pray for me as I have some pretty important meetings coming up this week. I would appreciate that. Pray that they go well. And then, yeah, just parenting. You know, we think we have some pretty good kids, but... <laughs> You know, parenting's not easy, and the older they get, the trickier uh, trickier it becomes, it seems. You know, everything's not necessarily black and white, and I'm a pretty black and white person, so it's difficult for me to parent in the gray, well, but, uh, you know, we want to be models of Christ to our yeah. children, you know, and that's the values we want to instill, so. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is when you have a hard time with your kids and maybe they, you know, they mess up big time and then you can just use that opportunity to talk about uh, God's forgiveness. And when we demonstrate forgiveness towards them, um, I mean, it can all be used for the glory of God. You know, Satan can use things to 
this for bad, but God turns around for good. It's all teachable moments through it all. So it's not all in vain. No, it'll be good. <clears throat> we'll grow. Hopefully they'll grow. That'll be great. Also praise report, selfish praise report. <laughs> I got a new computer part in, so I get to work and build on my computer. <clears throat> Something that has not been easy in the last couple of years, if you're into computers, you know, the prices of that stuff has been out of control. By the grace of God, I found one. So that's going to be fun. And that's kind of what we're doing is this show sort of transitions and not the show necessarily, but where we record is kind of going under some transition here a little bit. So that's going to hopefully help us make this a little bit easier. The so, whole time has been us making things better. <laughs> eventually we'll get it. Well, and that was something I wanted to mention. Please like and subscribe if you get a chance. Um, if you're on the podcast, please follow us, subscribe, share with a friend. You know, I was thinking about this because I listen to podcasts a lot, you know, and all the big ones and stuff that you hear that most people listen to and know about, right? Like they're mostly either like a celebrity or they're working for a larger company mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So they have, yeah. you know, big advertising budgets and they have yeah. corporations that can help get them out there and make their name known. And not that they're not worth listening to. Obviously there's a reason why they have a yeah. big platform, but you know, for like me and Nikki and a lot of other small podcasts like this, like we're it, <laughs> we're the, uh, the show writers, we're the uh, editors, we're the marketers, the advertisers, uh, I'm the graphic designer, like, it's <laughs> us. So, you know, it's difficult to kind of get the name out there. Um, it's expensive to get the name out there. So if you guys could help us out, we would appreciate it. Maybe consider leaving us like a five star review. That would be wonderful. Help people find us. And then you can obviously find us on our social media links. Come join us um, on the Discord. We'd love to have you guys there. And then if you're on TikTok, by chance, we do little quick daily devotionals every morning on TikTok. You know, they're just, um, it's TikTok, so they're under three minutes, but normally they're <laughs> around a minute long. Just quick little devotionals to get your day started. So you can come find us there. And then, uh, yeah, just help us out. We would appreciate that. So this episode, Christian Values, is kind of something that we've been wanting to talk about for a while. You know, we talked about American values uh, a mm -hmm. little while ago, and the idea of Christian values is something that really irritates me. <laughs> it's a topic that really gets under my skin. Um, and as we were sort of putting this episode together, two verses really jumped out to me, or at least jumped to my mind as I was kind of thinking of this. Uh, we'll read the first one here, Nikki will, and then we'll kind of get to the second one later in the show. But Maybe if you want to read through uh, 2 Timothy 3, 5. Sorry. Or, I'm five. sorry, not just 3, 5, but kind of starting in 3. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, what? All right. It says, but understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving, good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. And I'm reading through all that. I'm like, where's the appearance of godliness? 
<laughs> After yeah. reading all that, I'm like, where would it be hidden in that? <laughs> that can be tough. But that that last part, the verse uh, or three verse five, is what really jumped out to me um, when we were kind of putting this together. That idea of um, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, and you know, kind of thinking on that, like, what does it mean to sort of deny its power? And it's almost like you have this appearance of godliness. And I think this is American Christianity. You have this appearance Mm -hmm. of this Christian faith and Christian lifestyle, but you're actually denying its sort of influence in your life. Um, And I just wanted to go through some numbers kind of as we get this show started. And uh, I got these numbers from ArizonaChristian.edu, and they pulled most of theirs from like the Barna Group. Um, which if you're unfamiliar with the Barna group, they do a lot of, you know, Christian sort of polling and research and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So it's a great source to go to. But they say here, um, starting right here, belief in the existence of God as the all-knowing, all-powerful creator of the universe who still rules the world today or world today is down from 86% in 1991 to 46% in 2021. Huge drop. Huge drop. And then it says belief in the Bible is the accurate and reliable word of God. 70% uh, believe that in 1991. Only 41% believe that today. Uh, Belief that when they die, they will go to heaven only because they have confessed their sins and accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. 39% in 2011, down to 30% in 2021. And then the last one. Adults possessing a biblical worldview, 12% in 1995, down to 6% in oh 2021. And kind of putting this episode together for me um, was sort of looking at that difference between the 41% who believe the Bible is accurate and like this reliable word of God and that 6% who possess a biblical worldview. Those should be, well, Think. should be but to me like you know in, in my mind we're sort of when we think of this sort of christian value in the american christian church i'm sort of thinking about that 35 percent because to me these numbers seem more accurate you know you hear in other places and we've even reported this in previous episodes you know something like 65 to 70 percent of christian or of our country is christian um And like, just to me in my day-to-day life, we've lived in a lot of states and cities in this country that just doesn't feel right. And it is weird thinking about how we're the country who has, you know, I guess the most missionaries going out to preach the gospel, yet we are shrinking in size. Like we need to start preaching the gospel in our own churches. Like, how is this possible? We have all this money that supports missionaries, supports churches to preach. Um, sports outreach and all this stuff in other countries though yet the church is just dying here i think it is dying and i think for me and again this is you know kind of an arbitrary thing i guess but to me that six percent who possess a biblical worldview that seems to me like the real christian america you know the only six percent of like the true died in the wool, like full-fledged Christian. Cause it's one thing to believe the Bible, right? Uh, even, you know, the Bible even tells us that even the demons believe, right? Mm-hmm. Like 
they believe they just don't follow. And so, yeah, you can be like, yeah, the Bible's real and true, you know, great. But if it doesn't actually influence your life, then yeah. it, it, what it's cool. You, you know, that it's true. Like, what does that matter? Because words should just bring conviction too. And, and I think a big part of it, um, with this number shrinking is just the lukewarm gospel and the abusing of grace is caused a lot, a lot of these problems because you do see these things. You read through that scripture that I read and, and you can see how all this stuff is, is getting worse and worse. Like the churches are less holy, the more lewdness going on and crude humor and right in the pulpit, you know, and that attracts the world. So it's like, Churches are getting bigger, but all these numbers, these important matters, those numbers are shrinking, but the churches are getting bigger. Yeah, I mean, and I think that that, you know, we've touched a little bit before on the seeker sensitive, or the seeker yeah. sensitive, whatever you want to call it, kind of church, you know, and you can kind of see how, you know, since the 70s and 80s, when the seeker sensitive churches started to explode across the country and the idea of a mega church started exploding. You started getting this idea of CEO pastors Mm -hmm. um, where, you know, even I don't know, we didn't do the numbers on this, but this may be tied into sort of this idea of the church is the new outreach ministry. You know, we talked about this in our last episode. We're like, ah, just bring a friend to church and I'll preach at him, you know, and Mm -hmm. now that he's in the building, let's just make him feel comfortable. So he'll keep coming back. And yeah, these like watered down sermons. well, I know, and it's the everything's just like a pep talk, a motivational, um, what you call it, yeah, <laughs> speech, like a... <laughs> versus taken out of context. And I don't know, it's kind of my, reminds me of how you're told to have your own house in order in order to be a um, like a bishop or a yeah, like, like a have church your leader, own house in order first before you do anything in the church. But I think if you look at that. We have all these churches that are lukewarm and they're not really given, I don't know, even not even the pure milk of the gospel anymore, but yet they're sending people out as missionaries. It's like, well, who are those missionaries if they were brought up in this kind of church where they're not even preaching the full gospel? Yeah. Like the do enduring... we need more, uh, more church planners from Joel Osteen's church? <laughs> it's like, yeah, you're sending <laughs> no, them out, but need that. like, yeah. Uh, so have your church house in order before you do other things outside your church. So don't boast that you have, you know, you're supporting all these missionaries. Well, I mean, I pray that they are doing the work of God and they are preaching the gospel and aren't preaching the watered down messages when they do go overseas that their pastor has preached in their church. So I don't know. I don't know if that is the problem, but I'm just saying have your house in order. Your church should be in order first. So. Yeah, I mean, and you kind of touched on it, the idea that like sermons nowadays, they're not necessarily gospel messages, they're self-help, self-help. they're motivational. And, so like you know, we just pulled up, step, five you know, obviously step. Joel Osteen's the biggest pastor in the country. So I just went to YouTube and pulled up, you know, some of his sermons and, you know, learn to shine in the dark times, stay positive towards yourself. What's blocking your growth? prosper like you, this is all you you, you focused yeah um you know i grabbed rick warren 
um, the secrets to resilience, um, how to keep your tank filled instead of running on empty. You know, like they're all just you and like, there's not a whole lot of sermons that are talking about like the depravity of you and how desperate you are. The problem is sin and you don't hear that anymore. It's like when you just, when you're reading the word, it's so different from any sermons you hear. And really what the church needs is the actual word of God. Like it would be better if pastors just got up there and read second Timothy chapter three. That is so convicting. You really like look at your heart and I read that and I'm just like, wow. And do I fit in there somewhere? Am I any of those things? Like the church needs to be looking at their own heart, their walk with God, not to how to, to overcome like obstacles in their life, like worldly issues. You know, they're looking at, oh, Jesus died so I could be free from depression and he died so I could be free from this financial burden. And if you called on Jesus for those reasons, you were given a a false gospel. Like Jesus died for your sin. Yeah, I mean, this is the idea. That's what they neglect. That Bonhoeffer would talk about, you know, the idea of cheap grace versus costly Mm -hmm. grace. You know, cheap grace tells you that, yeah, like, hey, God loves you and your blessings right around the corner. You know, he wants you to be healthy and wealthy and happy. And but the costly grace tells you, like, Jesus died for a price. Like he he didn't die just so that you know, you could live and look just like the world. Right. I mean, he called you to live his life, basically to carry, you know, pick up your cross daily and follow after him. And that's mm-hmm. that idea of costly grace, which has been missing. And I mean, certainly there are churches that preach it. Um, you know, we like to think that our church uh, does that, you know, we're very happy with the way our pastor preaches and teaches. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure that there's plenty others. And again, shameless plug our discord we have a sermons recommendation place on our discord if you have a great sermon a great mm-hmm. pastor that you think is worth listening to um, we'd love to hear him on there but um you know going back to those numbers though like the idea that only six percent of christian or six percent of adults in this country say they possess a christian worldview or a biblical worldview um, to me that was Again, that feels accurate, but I think where most of those like 35% that fall in between, you know, obviously the one, the 41% that believe the Bible, but the 6% that have the biblical worldview. I think because only 6% of the 41% actually read their Bible. Like people say they believe the Bible, but who actually picks it up and reads it to get a biblical worldview? Well, right. And that's the thing that you kind of see when you start looking at numbers and stuff like that. And they'll always tell you, like, hey, you know, Christians do, you know, this many percentage of Christians do this. But when you actually see the polls where they break it out by Christians that attend church, you know, regularly or once or twice a month or, you know, those numbers for the ones that actually go to church, read their Bible on a regular basis are drastically smaller than Christians Mm -hmm. at large. You know, the ones Mm -hmm. that are like, I'm a Christian and I go to church twice a year. Like, you're not a Christian, really. But um, I think really a lot of that 35%, they're sort of moving into this postmodernist worldview, um, which is basically uh, the re- reality must be interpreted through our language and uh, our cultural paradigm. Therefore, reality is socially constructed. Mm. And I got this from Dwell uh, Community Church. 
on their website, they uh, listed out basically the five um, worldviews, and postmodernism is one of theirs. And it says down here that according to you know Dwell Community Church, uh, the postmodernist values are part of our social paradigm. It says values are part of our social paradigm as well. Tolerance, freedom of expression, inclusion, and refusal to claim to have the answers are the only universal values. And that sounds like so much of American Christianity to me. Tolerance, right? We love the idea of tolerance. Freedom of expression, right? How often do you hear like, you know, don't judge, judge not lest ye be judged. Inclusion, I mean, we've talked about Pope Francis opening the door now to LGBT in his church, the Episcopalian church, uh, but just Christians in general, when you look at the numbers of how accepting they are of that lifestyle now, um, and then it says the refusal to claim to have the answers. Yeah. Like, well, you do have the answers if you have scripture. Why would you refuse? I think it's because in order to say that you have the answers to these problems is to basically go against the tolerance, the freedom of expression sort of thing. Because if I say, hey, I have all the answers, like the Bible tells me, you know, that this lifestyle you're living is unacceptable in God's eyes. I mean, how often have you heard that that's intolerant? Yeah. You know, yeah. this stupid, um, what's that stupid bumper sticker that has like all the religion symbols yeah. on the Coexist. back? Coexist. You know, it seems, even though if you actually <laughs> believe the Bible is the true, you know, word of God, then you like you can't because do you, not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Yeah. So, and then there's Christians who are like, yeah, we should be unequally yoked. That's love. Love is to be unequally yoked. But then it goes on to say, just jumping back to that, ArizonaChristian.edu. It says the research goes on to identify two rapidly growing faith segments um, in America. One is Islam, which has jumped up to about 3% today. And the other is Eastern and New Age religions, oh, yeah. such as Buddhism and Hinduism. Presently, about 5% of U.S. adults, and that's more than doubled in the last decade. And I thought, you know, we had just kind of did an episode a little while back about the American mission field. And that was based on an article we read from The Blaze that talked about over 60% of born-again Christians Mm -hmm. um, between 18 and 39 say Jesus isn't the only way to heaven. Muhammad, Buddha, also valid path to salvation. So, yeah, I mean, it kind of makes sense, right? They're as American Christianity's fallen. And this is kind of what Nikki was talking about, these sermons that you're hearing in church, which would lead Christians to not know what their values really are, because you're kind of given these self-help motivational speeches. And if you can just kind of get in this mindset that God is, you know, he just wants to bless you. He wants to and the you know, power is just in yourself. They put your words, your little words coming out of your mouth is more important than what God's word says. Like you need to, you know, the whole speaking what you want into existence. You need to rebuke that. And all, I don't know, all this nonsense. And it's just, you're focused on yourself. Right. And if you're focused on yourself, but someone also comes along and is like, hey, here's another path that really helps you, you know, Buddhism. And you can, you know, your inner whatever Zen and to help you achieve whatever your maximum mental state and like all these things you can be like, Oh, wow. That, yeah. That also sounds 
you know, pretty good, I guess. I don't know what very it is. Similar. And, but even the idea of like, I've heard this a lot just in my own little work circle. I've probably heard the idea that the God of the Bible and the God of Islam are basically the same God multiple times in the last like couple yeah. of weeks. And then obviously even, you know, we just did that story with Pope Francis opening the Chrislam inst Institute or whatever it is. And they're like, oh, you know, the God of the Bible and the God of Islam have a lot more in common than most people think. They don't. <laughs> like, if your God does not include Jesus Christ in the Trinity, like, they could not be further apart. Um, but again, where's the pastor in America today that's standing up and telling you right. the differences and where, yeah. like, why these other religions are wrong? You know, the whole book of the Gospel of John was written for the people in his time combating a heresy, you know, the Gnosticism that was taking root in the people at that time. John wrote his gospel to like go to war with that false ideology. And like, where's the pastor today? Where's the Joel Osteen sermon? Well, pastors really need to be paying attention to what's going on in the world, what's going on in media, what is um luring people away distracting them maybe uh what's causing division you need to look after your sheep really you need to see what are the dangers out there and you need to talk about them because if you ignore the problems in the world that you know people are getting caught up in and dividing over you need to address that yeah and that's all the new testament letters i mean that's yeah. all the prophets of the old testament right they were looking at the situation they were in yep and they were taking what was happening and relating it back to God. Yeah. Hey, this is what you're doing right now, but this is what God has told yeah. you to do and wants you to do. That's no different for pastors today. You know, it could be whatever it is, the vaccine. It could be, you know, yeah. homosexual lifestyle. It could be debt lifestyle. I mean, something as simple as that, where a pastor can take these things that we're doing and make it applicable mm -hmm. to modern man and modern woman, but always relate it back to scripture. And I mean, that's what Paul and Peter and all the New Testament writers did. And I don't know why that has to change today where I don't know, I think pastors are even afraid to confront sin among among the church, because he's afraid to hear can't judge me. <laughs> that whole yeah. love your neighbor. And I mean, can't. actually preaching the gospel that the New Testament writers gave to us preaching the lifestyle that they told us to live. <laughs> People aren't beating down your door to hear that. Um, that's a gospel of basically exclusion. I mean, you're thinning the herd yeah, when you're preaching okay. that gospel. And who wants to do that now? Because that, that gets people out of your church. And when your church is your outreach ministry, um, maybe that doesn't look good for you. I don't know. But it's, it's definitely, I don't know, it's definitely harmed the American Christian. And the reason that this kind of episode even started in the first place, I feel like every, you know, every episode we would make, you know, talking about whatever the topic was, anytime we basically tell a Christian like, hey, this is something the Bible tells you you have to do or you should be doing if you want to make sure that you know you're walking that narrow path, always push back. 
you know, whatever. Oh, you're going to exclude people from your church because of their, you know, sexual preference, or you're going to exclude people from their church because they're, I don't know, whatever. They're drunkards and gluttons and how unloving. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's sad. But then you're like, and we've did we talked about this before. Like, where is your line as a Christian? Where's the line for the American Christian where they say like, okay, well, this is my line in the sand. Where like, I'm no longer willing to go past this. Um, to live in the world. Like this is my Christianity line. I don't know where that is for the American Christian because of that postmodern thought, right? Yeah. Where it's tolerance, freedom of expression. And you know, you just you're willing to tolerate anything except Christianity, except yeah. that carry your cross, you know, die yeah. to yourself. We're not willing to accept that. We'll just go and find a pastor that'll tell us everything's okay. God loves us and wants to be happy. And then we'll just claim that we're Christian on Sunday and we'll go and live just like everybody else. I know. Well, this and false harass gospel Christians. spreads like fire. Like it is spreading like wildfire, really, because it's attractive. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. If you came up to somebody who didn't believe in God at all and you went, hey, I have two gospels for you. This one tells you you have to live a life of sacrifice, dying to yourself. Um, you're going to be isolated from the world and the world's going to hate you persecution or for this sure. one where you can be happy healthy everybody loves you you can be your best self and you're like yeah i mean the the second one obviously sounds better you know and mm -hmm. you don't actually read your bible for yourself you don't do any intensive study for yourself so you just get this message and i mean it's no wonder why the christian church is the way it is so i kind of went and found uh, just kind of looking around at different things I could pull up here. And I found this article from crossway.org and it said 34 ethical issues all Christians should know. So I just thought we could kind of look through here and see if any of these stood out to you as uh, stuff that American Christians don't really pay attention to. One that I saw, we'll kind of come back through here, but mm. one that stuck out to me when I was going through here. Uh, where is it? Um, well, I guess did we already pass it? I mean, the big one, obviously, I think that was down here was um, abortion was on here. And we've talked about abortion a bunch. I don't want to make that a focal point of this. Um, where, Yeah, right there. Abortion, obviously, a Christian should not be supporting abortion. But, yeah, I mean, if you look at the numbers here, and we've talked about these before, every other, every Christian group in the country outside of white evangelicals is well over 50% in support of abortion, um, which is crazy. White evangelicals are the only one that at 20%. So a Christian value of that, you know, valuing human life, especially innocent child life, over 50% of Christians are like, eh, nah, you know, let the mom choose. Like, what is it that has changed people's minds? Because it never used to be that way it's oh. i don't know but these going through here no other gods um i mean we are obviously an idol worshiping country mm -hmm. you know whether it's money but i mean there's so many things you know you talk about even christian parents and stuff they can idolize their children they can idolize their spouse their employment i mean so many different things where they find their identity mm -hmm. um you know yeah. and, you find your identity in anything outside of Christ, you know, you're walking a thin line, you know, whether you're going to be 
um, you know, card images. We don't really do that. Well, that means anymore. like you actually worship it, but you know, mm. purity of speech. Another one that stood out to me. Um, I don't want to read the purity. Of oh, speech quality one. and leadership in marriage. You want to get under a Christian skin, especially a woman. Tell her she's supposed to be submissive to her husband. Uh, I mean, we've been doing the Mars Hill podcast review. People freak out over that. Um, I know. Male right? headship in the church and in the home. Ooh, that is not something people want to hear. Um, one that I saw that. Where is it? It was. Divorce and remarriage. I don't think I've heard in the last 15 years of my life, I don't know that I've ever heard somebody mention that they like wanted to get a divorce or were thinking of a divorce and somebody that was a Christian tell them not to. I don't, every time I've ever heard somebody say they wanted to get a divorce, the other Christian is always like, yeah, well, you know, you got to take care of yourself. You got to, yeah, that's a bad situation. When the Bible never, I mean, it gives you adultery. God gives you adultery. That's about it. Um, but I, I've never heard a Christian that sits there and goes, listen, I know you don't want to hear this. You got to stick it out. What about just breaking vows in general? Not just adultery. You know, I mean, but that's the not thing, safe, though, like, obviously. Abused. I mean, but once you start reading into the scriptures, you know, you start reading your own interpretations in, then again, where does it stop? Well, God is love. You know, homosexuals love each other. So that's love. And you're like, now nah, you're kind of reading into scripture there, aren't you? Like, and again, not that I'm one to sit here and tell an abused woman who's being physically abused by her husband that you should stick that out. But again, you know, if you're not living what scripture tells you, um, you're just kind of making the rules up on your own, but it's just, I'd be curious to know if anybody has heard somebody of Christian ilk. Sorry. If you heard our dog just squeal, our kids are apparently choking them out out there, but yeah, divorce. I don't know a single Christian that's ever been like, no marriage is to the end. And I pulled up stats here. Um, the Christian divorce rate, and it says for those who did not regularly attend church was 60%. I would call those not Christian, but it says the Christian divorce rate for regular church attendees is only 38%. So that's still better. And they don't necessarily say what their metric of divorce is, because sometimes you hear it like anything over 15 years is like a successful marriage, which I would, yeah, you know, but I don't know what yeah. their rate is if this is talking about to death, but like, so almost 40% of Christians get divorced. And again, I just, you don't really hear a lot of people pushing back on the idea of a divorce anymore. Um, hmm. But That's a lot of topics. Yeah. I mean, increasing prosperity. Uh, one that I saw on here that I thought was very interesting, especially in light of today. Um, let me see if I can find it. Aging and death. This is one, and I don't know what this actually says on here because I didn't read the aging and death one, but, you know, we've talked just recently in the vaccine debate 
you know, one of the things you always hear is that like, you know, you have a better chance of survival and all these sorts of things. You can live longer. And I don't know where the Bible tells us that we have to fight and claw to hang on to our life. Um, you know, I know where God shortened man's life to 120 years. I know a lot of scriptures where God tells you to, you know, lay down your life, you know, and all those sorts of things. But I don't remember anything in scripture where God's like, anything you can to just hang on to every last year, every yeah. last day. To me, that's just like taking 20 prescription pills just so you can live. I don't know. You're already like 90. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and you can wrap it in Christianese and be like, oh, you know, I just, I want to be able to be there to raise my kids and I want to take care of Nikki and I want to support them. But really, I think that's just a lack of faith because you're basically saying, unless I'm here, God's not going to provide for them. Um, you know, so, yeah. but just, you know, again, this all will be linked in the show notes. You can go check these out, see where you fall on the uh, Christian ethical issues. There's some tough ones in here. Self-defense, um, mm -hmm. you know, war, capital punishment, um, authority of parents, all sorts of things and kind of see where you fall. I mean, this is something we all should be wrestling with, but. These are topics that would be great pastors to talk about, like each one of these, you know. It would be great, but that gets in the way of, I don't know, pitching you their new book or whatever they're selling. So, yeah. but I do think the problem here too is, Christianity's become a Sunday morning religion in this country. Um, you know, in America, it used to be sort of a way of life, you know, a 24-7 lifestyle. And it was something, you know, if you even look back kind of into our, I guess, earliest kind of forefathers with the Puritans, um, that was their way of life, you know, with their Christian faith. And I pulled up this news article here from history.com and uh i can find where and it says let me pull this up it says right here as they gained strength puritans were portrayed by their enemies as hair splitters who slavishly followed their bibles as guides to daily life <laughs> i was like slavishly what a funny insult to be yeah. thrown at you like, ah, oh, look at these guys who like believe the Bible and live it out day to day. What a bunch of crazies. Just devoted people. Yeah, I mean, and that's what we like, used to be you. like, <laughs> you know, but doesn't that sort of like, does that sound like American Christians today? People who slavishly live this biblical worldview? Yeah, because we're supposed to be slaves to Christ. Yeah, 6% sounds about right to me. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know that I would include us in that 6% yet. We're certainly focused on it. And that's definitely where we want to be. Um, but we fall short a lot, obviously. And shirt says, yeah, my shirt's pretending to be a fully devoted follower of Christ. Um, I'm in my mind, a fully devoted follower in my heart, maybe yeah. my mind leads me. I don't know. I'm getting there. What's the saying? Like, I'm not the man I want to be. Praise God. I'm not the man I used to be. Praise so, God. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I think, you know, when our, we were obviously founded and for a lot of years, I mean, we were 
a, a nation that was very devoted. Um, and, you know, there's probably a lot of reasons for why we fell in a way. I certainly think technology has been one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know that I would even classify technology as a blessing anymore. Um, I mean, I'm, we're certainly blessed that we can talk to you guys now, but I think by and large, I don't know that it's been a net positive. I don't know. I don't think it's been the best thing for Christians. I think it's, I think it definitely causes laziness and it's a distraction more than anything else. You might be productive, but it's like, it's not priority. The things you're doing that are considered productive, but that they shouldn't be a priority in your life over other things. No, I mean, cause like as much as we appreciate people listening to this podcast, it's not church. It's not community of believers. Yeah. Um, you know, you're, stupid Facebook group, you know, we're in a couple, they're mostly nonsense. Um, that's not an actual spiritual connection because somebody asks a ridiculous question on one of your Facebook groups. And, but I mean, by and large technology has allowed sin to rapidly spread across the globe. Uh, I def, you know, and I don't know. I'd be curious to know what you guys think. Is technology a blessing or a curse? A little bit of both? I don't know. Me, I don't think it's been necessarily a net positive. I don't think Jesus and the church needed it um, for almost 2,000 years. They did just fine growing and expanding across the world. Um, but I don't know. It's a part of prophecy. Like the last days, knowledge will increase. Yeah, I guess we have to have it at the end of the day, I guess. Who knows? But. <laughs> I think really, you know, when it comes down to Christians and their values in America, that 35%, you know, I think that they really just adhere to two values. Um, And it's the ones that always sort of get thrown back at us. And I'm sure you guys hear them the same. It's always that love your neighbor. And then if you really back them into a corner with some biblical truth, it's judge not lest ye be judged, right? Those are, those are the two Christian values. Those are the people who don't want to be sharpened. Um, You know, we kind of see this with the uh the vaccine area right you hear this all the time love your neighbor get your vaccine um the lgbtq movement just love your neighbor you know don't judge them for their lifestyle what was the shirt that girl was wearing the other day at the soccer scrimmage did you see her shirt yeah i saw it was like you could be whatever all this anti-stuff or you could just be quiet you know I don't know. I don't want to list all the names, but she's just pretty much telling Christians to be quiet and to let people do what they want. Yeah. Well, it'd be nice if people just left people alone, but that's not the world we live in. Um, But that whole love your neighbor thing is a Christian value drives me up a wall. The problem with it is because it's part of what Jesus said. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because he actually said something before that, and then he actually said something after that, and they always seem to sort of leave those out. It's just yeah. love your neighbor. Um, and what he actually said is, I don't think I pulled the verse up here, but it's, I mean, you guys know the verse, whatever. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
And I thought, well, this is interesting. And that, you know, you kind of always read this as sort of one thought, but it's not. You know, he says to love the Lord your God. That is the first, first. and great commandment. New sentence. There's a period there. Mm-hmm. This is a new sentence, new thought. The second is like it, but it's not it. But that, you know, it, it doesn't mean that they're the same thing, right? Right. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. Like, those are two different thoughts. And I thought in the idea, in the vein of Christian values, like, how do you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul? Right? Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't mean just to wear, like, a cross necklace. Or does, like, you know, have the... uh as for me and my house, will serve the Lord wall art on just your wall. empty words. They're just symbols, empty words. Yeah, like, you know, you're sitting under your, uh, as for me and my house, will serve the Lord wall art while you're drinking your third or fourth glass of wine, watching yes. Game of Thrones. The angels <laughs> in heaven are rejoicing. And you're like, yes, we're serving the Lord. Like, it's just, I think that that gets sort of, abused and obviously misused a lot as a Christian value because just simply loving your neighbor is not a Christian value. Yeah, you can't say love love your neighbor without first loving God, putting him first. So don't tell someone to love their neighbor if you're not even loving God. Yeah. Because that's like, the first. You don't skip over the first and then tell somebody do the second one when you're not even doing the first one. And you don't get to define what love is. Like, God is love. Um, yeah. So he defines what love is. And Christ is our physical representation of God. So you love the way Christ loved. Mm-hmm. And he didn't just come to earth and love people where they were. He confronted where they were. He mm-hmm. corrected where they were. Um, and he led as an example of where they should be. Like, that is the love that you're supposed to be sort of showering on people. You know, Mm -hmm. we always say it in this show, but it's the idea of like, it's not love to hold somebody's hand as you lead them to hell. Um, And with these washed out, you know, weak, made up Christian values, you're leading people to hell. And I don't think that it's even been successful. I mean, obviously, we've seen the decline of Christian church in America. And why wouldn't it decline? Like, if you can either be of the world and just be secular in the world, or pretend to be a Christian one day a week, but look like the world 99% of the other time. Like, why not just be of the world? But there's nothing new under the sun. Like, this is the pattern all throughout the Bible. It's people falling away. And, I don't know, like, why, why would we be surprised this is happening? Especially as life gets more comfortable. I mean, technology growing and... I don't know, just the whole, you know, we talked about it before, just the nuclear family being torn down and nobody's raising their kids anymore. Well, you got to get that second job or that second yeah, spouse I mean, working. You can, you can point out a you lot know. of things that contribute to this. It is the breakdown of the family. Um, number one, definitely, because it doesn't matter how many people you got in church, if those families are broken, those kids really don't have a chance being brought up. Um, and righteousness and godliness. It's just, they're going to probably grow up not loving God because the people who are supposed to represent God are hypocritical and it makes them want to back away. Like, I don't know. I don't think you're really, I don't know. I don't think you're really helping 
people are helping their kids by dragging them to church when the home life is all screwed up. Like you need to be, you need to be trying to live a holy life and you can't do that in the flesh. Obviously you have to call on God. You have to confess your weaknesses to God and, and pray with one another. And your kids need to see you praying. They need to see you humble yourself and seeing mom and dad pray together. And they really just, I don't know all this. It's the home. We'll need to take the commandment seriously. Yeah. Um, and if you're not getting a, a gospel message that challenges you, I don't think you're getting um, yeah. a very worthwhile gospel message. And kind of going back to that second verse we touched on earlier in the show, um, I think in my mind, this was kind of what jumped out to me is kind of what separates that 6% of biblical worldview as, you know, from the other 35% that just sort of believe the Bible. And that's the verse from James um, chapter 2, verse 18 where he says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And I thought that speaks, like that to me mm-hmm. is where the church is. Oh, I believe in God. You're like, okay, well, like, are you reconciling with your husband? Then oh, we're getting divorced. Um, but I have faith in God. And you're like, okay, well, doesn't he tell you not to be like a debtor? Yeah, but I want that new Mercedes. So I'm going to get that. And you're like, Okay, well, say you got faith, but show me your works. And I know, again, you want to talk about things Christians freak out about is, uh, you know, faith and works, but not a works-based religion. It's just a uh, works naturally flow from those who have faith, basically. Um, So, yeah, I mean, like we talked about, even the demons believe in the Bible and Christ and all these sorts of things, but they don't actually have the faith to act on it. Um, So, yeah, I just wrote down here, like, living it is what saves you, not just like believing it doesn't save you. Living it saves you. And I. um, Yeah, there's a scripture. I don't know, one of the one of them that Paul wrote, how the Gentiles. I don't know. I'm not going to say it right. Maybe we can post it. How they they were following the law better than the Jews, you know? Yeah, I'm sure that was. Yeah, I don't know if you know what I'm talking them. about, but I know I read it recently. I do that a lot. I'll bring up something, and be like, I don't know where it's at. Yeah, but there's we're something super to that effect. Put together here on show. <laughs> well, I just I pulled up from our website, um, Religionless Christianity Podcast, and uh, on there we have our sort of assurance of salvation sort of spelled out and it's mostly from the book of first john um but it's a great book to read through if you want to kind of know if you're saved uh, and we'll obviously have links to our website if you want to check this out for yourself but first john uh chapter 2 verse 3 it says um and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments and he's obviously talking about Jesus here. And mm-hmm. we have a little link here where it says you can find all of Jesus's commandments that were listed in scripture. And if you click on it, it brings you to this, um, this guy's page. And here he has them spelled out 49 different commandments that Jesus spells out. Um, so if you want to read these for yourself and sort of judge yourself in light of these commandments, I think that would be a great place to start and sort of see how your values line up with what Christ actually taught us 
-hmm. and you know not with your world you know the worldly values and maybe even look at what your pastor is teaching in light of what christ commanded us because Mm -hmm. a pastor is not a motivational speaker he's a teacher and what he's teaching is christ and the gospel like that's it so yeah does your pastor know how how the church is doing like do an assessment i don't know didn't we mention before like people like writing little notes and putting it in the whatever the box church just so might be one of those things where you don't like want to ask yeah, yeah we kind of asked like that, that you know in the whole when we read the 60 percent of christians believe that buddha and muhammad are perfectly acceptable ways to heaven <laughs> like maybe if you were a pastor it might be a good time to sit down and like ask some real salvation questions about you know what does your congregation believe and then Maybe yeah. take a look in the mirror and be like, holy Do cow. Do a well check on your church. 60% of my church thinks Buddhism is going to get them to heaven. Uh, yeah. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to You need to, to know doing. how they're doing. I don't know how else pastors really know when the church gets so big. How do they know? Do they just. The tithe, I, I think, is how they know. When the money increases, they know that the church is doing well. They that's just, the health. That's how you know. Um, wealth is up. But is there anything is that you want to say, baby, as we kind of get ready to close this episode out? I don't know. Just, um, I don't know if you hear your uh, pastor preach the gospel, just listing all worldly problems and to call on Jesus to make your burden lighter. Well, the burden should just be sin. The burden should never be any other problem in life you're facing because your biggest problem in, in life is sin. So just reevaluate, just think on why you called on Jesus to begin with. And if it wasn't for him to lift the sin burden and it was for him to lift something else, then you called on him for the wrong reason. And just pay attention to that. Um, If you're going to a church and that's how they preach the gospel, then um, I don't know. I mean, you can stick around and hopefully be a a light uh, truth to the others. but. I don't know. I don't know if that's really going to be good for your spiritual growth, but pay attention, number one, to how the gospel is preached. So, yeah. Yeah. And this is, you know, this is a message for us just as much as anybody, because we're just as likely to be pulled into the world and we're just as guilty as, you know, falling away from Christ's commandments as anybody. But I definitely think, I mean, Christianity is not a religion where you can just rest on your laurels and, you know, ah, I read the Bible once when I was 16, so I'm good. You know, I think mm-hmm. this is how you see people, even giants of the faith fall, the Ravi Zacharias's, because they've rested on their laurels and they stopped examining themselves and, um, you know, bringing themselves to a place of repentance. And yeah, the gospel shouldn't be easy. You know, it shouldn't be something where you're just perfectly comfortable And it shouldn't be something where nobody knows, like people should be aware of your faith and it should be Mm -hmm. uncomfortable for the world that's around you. If you're, I mean, you will have more awkward moments with people when they're like, Hey, come and hang out and do this. And you're like, no, thanks. No, thanks for thinking of me. But I don't, I don't live like that. I don't know. How would you respond to that and not be offensive because you still want to reach people with the gospel? Well, yeah, I mean, but then I think you just have to, 
accept that like you don't need to change the gospel and the message Mm -hmm. that is preached because i think a lot of times people say that well i don't want to offend people and i'm trying to reach them but you're basically saying like "Ah, kind of the way the bible wrote it doesn't really work for me i'm going to try to do it my own way no trust in what the bible says and you know the the verse where it talks about it you know go to the person's house and they don't receive you you know wipe the dust off your feet that curse is on them if you stand for your faith you preach a gospel you give them truth from the bible and they don't accept it that curse is on them it's not on you you know all mm-hmm. we can do is be obedient and you'll lose friends life will be tougher um but the reward in heaven will be greater so it's worth it so um that is all we got hopefully God willing, Christianity Today will actually put out an episode to Mars Hill on time when they're supposed to. They are the most inconsistent podcast uh, producers I've ever seen. So we may have that for you guys next week. Stick around for Saturday. We have so many news stories to get to. I don't even know how we're going to get to them all. Uh, Every time I read one, I'm like, oh, that's more important than the other one I thought was super important. So (laughs) we'll see if we even, we may only get to one ultimately when we get down to it because the story i read today just made my eyes water so that's all we got for you guys today love you god bless this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.